The following episode contains discussions of sexual assault and murder. If these are topics that are triggering to you or there are children in the room, please go back and listen to another one of our episodes. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening and remember, be kind and stay weird. They say we live on either side of a border. I say that's fodder for a sexist imagination. Coyote's tooth does not alone bite, and Falcon's feather takes not alone to the sky. Silo living is not for living things, like the braid on my abuela's back and beads on a rosary strand. Interlinked we are rain, dust, stars. Hello, and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we say curse words and uh, call out injustices. I think curse words are cool. That's what we do. I mean, are you really being yourself if you're not saying curse words? No. You're lying to yourself if you answered yes. You know what's up with the social channels, people. We got a TikTok that you should be following at this point. We have the Instagram that so many people have outstanding warrants on. Yeah, it's Instagram. You're on it every day. Yeah. So just follow us. You know that you've been thinking about it. So just do it. Just do it. And we won't need to have this discussion again. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) why would you not want to stay informed? That's right. How, how are you supposed to know the goings on here at the pod pad? It's not that hard to do. It isn't. It isn't. For fuck's sake. Yeah. I have a lot of dog hair on my shirt right now. Yeah, me fucking too. This is the problem. See, I wear so much black. Same. And I have two all white dogs. I am literally monochrome today. I have a black <laughs> shirt. Gray skinnies and white chucks. Yeah. I have on regular denim a black shirt and gray chucks. Yeah, I walked in here and Dakota was like, wow, you guys are dressed exactly the fucking same. (laughs) (laughs) It was unintentional, but it was beautiful. On Wednesdays, we wear black. That's right. And high tops. Right. Because honestly, if you're wearing chucks and they're not high tops... Are you wearing chucks? There's a fucking little bug in here. (laughs) Just went into my mouth. Uh, Yeah, for real. Um, I mean, I have low top chucks. I also have low top chucks. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know. I mean. I used to wear those in high school. And when I was in high school, the flared jean or the boot cut jean was the jean. So high tops, they didn't get a lot of love because your jeans covered them. 
Right. But now that I wear still wear skinnies, I don't give a shit what the trend is. Like you wear whatever jeans you want. Every I'll, pair of jeans I have is skinny. I'll wear whatever. I do have a pair of like boyfriend jeans mm-hmm. that are like basically just a straight legged yeah. jean, which are fine. Like I think they look fine. Here's the thing. I heard somebody talking about the jean debacle that has been going on. I recently found out about it, to be honest. Like how millennials still like <laughs> part their hair on the side and wear skinny jeans. Yeah. So we can talk about of this for Of course we do. For a brief second. Um I actually don't part my hair. I wash it and comb it and then I don't do anything else. And it just it falls lays where it will. Yeah. I do have a scar on my, like, right just past the hairline from mm-hmm. when I was, like, nine years old. So my hair parts itself a specific way because of that scar. Yeah. And it just always has. It works. And that's whatever. If somebody wants to clock me, then, what the fuck ever? like, I don't care. But I did hear someone talk about this gene thing, and they're like, So, the younger generation is not wearing skinny jeans because they're restrictive. They're wearing these more boyfriend cut or, like, baggier jeans because they're more comfortable. And I was like, okay. I can get down with that reason. Mm -hmm. Like, I like a comfortable jean. Now, the jeans I'm currently wearing have a ton of stretch. So, these are like wearing pajamas. Yeah. Um, But denim. And so I bought these boyfriend jeans. They have zero give. Now, when I wear them, they look fine. They're just jeans. Yeah. Like, whatever. But they're more restrictive than these that are crop skinnies. Yeah, most skinny jeans, like, are kind of stretchy anyways. Yeah, I don't... Because they have have to form fit to your legs, so there's going to be stretch involved. Exactly. So that argument, I didn't find compelling because I tried it out and I thought to myself, well, I would much rather wear my good American skinnies because those feel like I am wearing PJs. Skinny jeans are just more flattering for literally everyone. No matter what body type you have. I do agree. Not like saying that other jeans don't look good on people, but skinny jeans or skinny pants in general, I feel mm-hmm. like, are more flattering on every single body type. Yeah. I really enjoyed when the skinny jean became the jean. Mm-hmm. Because with flared jeans, so my inseam is long. Mm-hmm. Like, I I think my inseam is 34. So I need a 35-inch inseam. Yeah. Because you can't just buy a 34-inch inseam. But most women's jeans, you can't select your inseam. Right. Only specific brands let you choose either short, regular, long, or choose an inseam. Mm -hmm. And a 30 inseam, if I wear a flared jean that has a 30 inseam, it looks ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It looks like I'm wearing pants that are too small. But you can do that with a skinny jean. But with a skinny, if you wear a 30 inseam, it just looks like you're wearing a cropped skinny. Yeah. And it's intentional. Mm -hmm. Like the ones I'm currently wearing. Yeah. These are, I think these are a regular. Yeah. 
So they look cropped on me because my legs are long. This is why the flared jean just doesn't work on my body. Yeah. So, because... Totally agree. I think there was a brand that I could wear in high school that sold longs. And they were expensive. And I was poor. Right. So. Anyway. These jeans that I'm currently wearing, I just got. Because Good American was having, like, a sale. And their jeans were, like, 50% off or something. I love their jeans. I'm very particular about jeans. I, I really I like I really theirs. need to try them out. I highly recommend them. I know some people are averse because it's, like, a Kardashian brand. I don't really care. I don't care about that either. I don't really care about the Kardashians. I don't. I I, I don't either. Yeah. Whatever. But it is a Kardashian brand and some people don't. They just like, as a bottom line, won't support any of their shit. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't know it was a Kardashian brand until after I'd already purchased two pairs of jeans and really liked them. So when you find a jean... You just do. Yeah. And you have to stick with it. Right. 100%. So, I like them. I just also bought a pair of their shorts that are really nice, and I like Hell them yeah. a lot. Shorts are much easier for me. Jeans. Meh. It's a hard, it's hard life out here. Unless they're skinnies. <laughs> yeah. The rise is very important to me, though, also. Same. I, I can't get down with a jean that's not at least a mid-rise. Yeah, I have to do mid-rise, and only because if it's too high or too low when you sit down, it's just not comfortable. Mm. A high-rise, well, actually, all my jeans are high-rise. I mean, I can do a high-rise, but after a while, especially, like, the waistband doesn't really, like, stretch throughout the day, Mm -hmm. and so I just feel like when I'm sitting, it's like that little part is just, like, barely digging Mm -hmm. and it drives me absolutely insane yeah but if it's a little bit lower like belly button or a little Mm -hmm. bit underneath doesn't bother me yeah high rise don't ever bother me mid-rise i'm okay with anything lower and i'm i'm out um i had to live through i was a teenager in the 2000s and the high rise or the low rise was the thing and nothing is more uncomfortable than sitting and having to constantly reach behind and, you and pull yes, your pants up. And being constantly aware that the wrong move in your ass is out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not trying to show people my crack. Okay? I don't even know if they make low rise. They're they're on they're on the upswing, I've seen. Ugh. It's really distressing. I'm I'm not I don't want to see any whale tails out here, and I definitely don't want to see any butt cracks. God damn. Or your pubic bone. I mean, but hey, if you have abs and you're trying to show off all of them, cool, great. (laughs) You do you. And I'm, we're proud of you. I'm proud of you that you have abs. Yeah. That is a real accomplishment that I will, I will never be there. (laughs) I simply won't. Well, for the breakfast nook today, I'm drinking water and Maddie's having a white claw. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm not really a White Claw gal. I'm more of a Truly gal. I'm more of a neither one of those. Yeah, well, they don't have any sugar. I hate, I hate the way they taste. I love it. Ugh, so bad. 
I I mean, White Claw is fine. They're acceptable. Here's There's the thing. There's just not enough flavor. I like I like the hints. It's like... It's like drinking sparkling water. Yeah, which I don't like. Yeah, which so. I do like. <laughs> Since I don't drink pop, sparkling water is like the next best thing. Mm-hmm. You get the carbonation. Now... I do like some sparkling waters, but that's because they actually have flavor in them. Mm. Like the sparkling ice, you know, like the long skinny bottles. Yeah. I love those. I don't like those. Those have sweetener in them. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line here, folks, is we will never agree on, on beverages. No. No. Except Water. We both do drink water. I drink a shit ton of water. Yeah. What That's is- probably why when I drink something else, I want there to be something to it. Yeah. I mean, I I honestly probably drink, like, let's see, my water bottle is like 20 ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, I drink almost like six of those a day. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of water. I probably drink, I mean, cl- I drink at least like four of these at work. I don't know how many ounces this thing is. Let me just tell you. Well, no, I won't because it doesn't say on here. I'm going to say that's like a 24 ouncer. Yeah. So I probably drink like four of these at work and then... That's good. At home, I usually just drink water all night because that's usually all we have. Or wine. Sometimes I'll just drink wine all night. I mean... But in the summer, well, I'm a red wine drinker these days so in this and red wine does make me like flushed same all wine makes me flushed only red wine does that to me so in the summer it's not what i go for because it's already warm out and i don't want to feel flushed Mm -hmm. but in the winter it's very nice yeah that's true but i bought these white claw i don't know i think it was sunday Dakota and I didn't do anything for Fourth of July. We did see you and Chip. I got to meet Chip yeah, in person for the Maddie first time. Yeah, met Chip, and he came over and chilled with us for a little while. Yeah, he came, uh, came in hot on the scooter. Came in hot on the scooter. Um, Dakota was like really into it. He loves <laughs> little like weird things like that. He just sold a like scooter motorcycle hybrid thing. Mm-hmm. So. That's, like, his thing, so. Uh, Shout out to Chip for stopping by. But we went to the LC, and we were just hanging out at the house all night. So we went to the LC, and I wanted to get Truly, Mm -hmm. because that's my go-to seltzer. They're the best, hands down. Uh, They only have the tropical ones, and I don't like the tropical ones. I only like the citrus. Which, apparently, so does everyone else. Now, I like the high noon things. Those are cocktails. But, yeah, I've really tried to get into, like, seltzers. Yeah. And, like, I've tried every flavor, and everyone's always like, well, you'll like this one. Well, no, I don't. (laughs) See, I would never suggest any seltzer to you because none of them are sweet. Yeah, and it's not like it has to be sweet. But I just feel like it's not that it's lacking sweetness. It's just that it's lacking flavor all around. 
Like, you can barely taste what flavor you're drinking. Right. Yeah. That drives me nuts. Like, I don't want I don't want to take a swig of it and it tastes like Kool-Aid. Yeah. But I also want to be like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite flavor because it fucking tastes like this flavor. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I, I see, I understand what you're saying. It's just that that doesn't bother me. It's like drinking extremely, like, watered down weak tea to me. Now, I cannot get on board with weak tea. Absolutely not. Like, when I go to Starbucks and order a tea, I get my tea without water. Oof. So that shit is dork. (laughs) (laughs) So for people who don't like their tea that strong, you could order a black tea without water. And then you have two teas because then you just go home, split it between two cups, fill the rest with water or ice. Boom. You've cracked the code. Two for one. I don't like Starbucks tea. I like Starbucks tea. They're not my favorite. Yeah. But the only drink that I will drink from Starbucks is tea. McAllister's tea. Uh, McAllister's tea is hands down the best. Where it's at. God, now I want McAllister's just in general. Yeah. All right. Quick trip tea is, is a close second. Quick trip tea is good. So, although one day, I don't know what the fuck was happening, but I went to Quick Trip and their tea was awful, was basically water. That's kind of like Sonic. It's very hit or miss on their tea. That is true. Or they give you sweet tea. Or they give you unsweet tea. Okay, we're going to get into this. Um, I feel like my voice is very, like, crackly because I've been talking all day long at work. Mm. Um, So we're going to do this. This is part two of the women of Ciudad Juarez. Yes. And um, we're just going to get right into it. Yes, we are. So. You can start. I shall be starting. Um, so today we're going to talk more about the victims. Actually, we're only going to talk about the victims, their families, and the activists who are out here working for justice. So as horrible as this story is, towards the end, we're going to have a lot more positives happening. Right. So... Um, we'll leave you on an uplifting, hopeful note, but we are going to go through the victims first. Um, not all of them, obviously, but we will go through a victim timeline that kind of a little gives you an insight about how little information there is out here on these individuals which yeah, is really they kind of just like group them all together yeah they they group a lot of them together a lot of them weren't found in time so they have no idea how they were killed they don't know when they were killed yeah. so it's really really sad but the very first victim that is attributed to what we are going to call the war as ripper is alma shavaria farrell She was killed on January 23rd, 1993. Now, it says she was killed on this day, but I think this more points to that she was found on this day. 
So she had been beaten, raped, and strangled. And this kind of beating, rape, strangle is going to be the MO associated with the Juarez Ripper, as well as the larger case of the women of Juarez. So many of the victims we're going to talk about have these same crime markers. Also, M.O. is Latin, and I did put the Latin term in here. It's modus operandi, uh, pronunciation not guaranteed. I've, like, heard it before but never latched on to it yeah. to repeat it throughout <laughs> my everyday life. Yeah. Uh, so I put in here modus operandi, and then I was like, I should put M.O. beside it because I m- might forget. So... This victim timeline is going to be between 1993 and 2003, and of course there's still murders happening to this day in 2021, um, but this is just kind of the time frame we are focusing on. So January 23rd, like Maddie just said, 1993, we have Alma Farrell, and between January and December... There were 16 unnamed women that seemed to be killed by various causes. Four were strangled. Four were stabbed. One set on fire post-mortem. One was bludgeoned. And one was shot. And out of those 16, at least four of them were also raped. And at some... The, the dates are unspecified, but in 1994... Eight unnamed women between the ages of 11 and 35, six were strangled, two were stabbed, one was bludgeoned, one was burned alive, and four were also raped. So while that seems a little different, like one was burned alive and the one in 93 was set on fire post-mortem, to me there's already kind of a pattern. Yeah. But... I just, I still don't think it's one person, but. I agree. I think just by sheer numbers, I think it being one person is highly unlikely, but I do think there are probably multiple repeat offenders here. Absolutely. It I mean. Has to be. It has to be. Maybe they all know each other. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. So 1995 unspecified dates we have elizabeth gomez 29 killed by unknown causes laura irene 27 killed by unknown causes august of 95 elizabeth castro garcia was 17 and she was raped and killed by unknown causes so many of these are gonna have unknown causes yeah pre-september so august (laughs) Stop it. <laughs> Not. I can't. Okay. That, that, has, that has to be taken out. This is an inappropriate. <laughs> Start over. Fucking A. We're still in August. You know what? We're leaving that in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm stupid. All right. Using that shit from now on. <laughs> like, when's your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> Pre-May. 
I can't. I really don't know what that's about. <laughs> I may have been like, oh my gosh. I may have like thought that. Was, <laughs> I may have thought that was funny. I mean, it is funny. <laughs> it may have been a joke though, and I don't remember. To see if one of us would just say it out loud. <laughs> uh, that that's okay. ridiculous. Okay, great. I apologize to all of you. <laughs> so, eighteen unnamed women killed by various causes. Six were strangled, one was stabbed, one was shot. Three also had their right breasts severed. So. Now that has to be the same person. Of course. So. This also comes up in later victims as well. So, yeah, that's, that has to be the same person. Yeah. And then we get to... The range between mid-September and December. 29 unnamed women killed by various causes. And that's just all the information on those 29 women. 29. I don't know. They kept using the term unnamed women. And I never found if that meant that they were just unreleased names yeah. Or unidentified names. Or, like, unidentified women. So, that's still up in the air. Maybe these people have been identified and their identities are just not released. Yeah, that or, could be it. Or maybe they're just not identified. Yeah. I don't know. So, now we are in October of 95 and to early April of 96. Adriana Torres, who was 15... It says she was killed by unknown causes. Once again, her right breast was severed and then her left nipple was bitten off post-mortem. So that means if they know it was bitten off, that there had to be teeth marks in her skin. Yes. I wonder if there's any DNA, like touch DNA from their mouth. You would think so. You would think. 13 unnamed women... Ages 10 to 30. Gross. Killed by various causes. Ten of them were stabbed. One was shot. One was strangled. And four were also mutilated post-mortem. Hmm. The, The mutilation is a real, like, specific act to be doing. Yeah, and I don't know, to me, like, and I know we'll talk about this later, but even though the numbers are different, like, the clusters are kind of the same. The clusters do seem similar. But once again, this absolutely cannot be the work of one single dude. Absolutely not. I say dude. I mean, I'm not assuming it's a man, but I mean it. I mean, I'm assuming it's a man. Yeah. Let's let's just, you know, be honest. Okay, so um, late 1996, well, I guess not late, this is April, uh, April of 96, Rosario Garcia Leal, 18, she was raped, mutilated, and killed by unknown causes. How, 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 if they can determine that she was 
raped and her body had was still in decent enough condition that they could see mutilation, they could do a rape kit, how have we not determined manner of death? Yeah. How? How? This doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Usually they can't conclude manner or cause of death because decomp is too advanced. But right. that clearly isn't the case here. Yeah. I mean, especially with the bite marks, mm-hmm. It there couldn't have been too much decomposition happening. Right. You're not just going to assume because a body part is missing that it was bitten off. Right. That's Bitten off is very specific. Yes. If it was just missing, they would have just said, and her, her left nipple was removed. Right. Like... Not bitten. Yeah. I, I don't know. This is not adding up. The math is not adding up, you guys. So... Late April to through November of 96, 16 unnamed women were killed by various causes. Five were stabbed. Three were shot. One was found in a drum of acid. Now that is different. That, that is different. I don't think that comes up again. Unspecified dates in 1997, 17 unnamed women between ages 10 and 30, were killed by various causes. Five were stabbed. Three were strangled. Three were shot. Two were bludgeoned. And at least four were raped. The four? Um, Yeah. I don't know. This is just super weird to me. It seems incredibly repetitive. Yeah. Now we're in 1998 unspecified dates in 98 21 unnamed women killed by various causes some or all of them were stabbed i don't know how that's an or i don't know you either stabbed or you're not stabbed right strangled shot and or burned so that's very clear totally january 25th of 98, Rosalina Veloz Vasquez, age 20, killed by unknown causes. <laughs> and then September 21st of 98, Rocio Barraza Gallegos, strangled. Okay. 1999, for the range of January to March, so we're in pre-April here. <laughs> There were eight unnamed women killed by various causes. And in December, there were nine unnamed women also killed by various causes. Yeah. So, okay. Apparently, we didn't have any data for 2000, so we're going to come to 2001. November 6th to November 7th, we have a series of victims with names, so... Uh, this is kind of crazy that we have so many names. But remember from part one, there were eight bodies found in November 2001. Mm-hmm. That's this cluster. So we have Maria Acosta, 19, unknown causes. Claudia Gonzalez, 20, 
unknown causes. Esmeralda Herrera, 15, unknown causes. Guadalupe Luna, 20, unknown causes. Barbara Martinez, 20, unknown causes. Veronica Martinez, 19, unknown causes. I wonder if those two were related. Maybe. Like cousins or sisters. Um, Laura Ramos, 17, unknown causes. And Mayra Reyes, 17, unknown causes. So they were not able to determine cause of death for any of these women. That's ridiculous. And these women were all found pretty quickly. Yeah. That's like, that's bad police work. That, that's, yeah. Like, what medical examiner is on your payroll? Because they're not doing shit. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean, we don't have the details of, like, how the crime scene was handled either because they came back or people were finding clothing weeks later. Yeah. So it couldn't have been super thorough. Right. Yeah, I don't, this is blowing my mind. Um, and then November 20th, 2001, another unnamed young woman was found and she was, she was found undressed and she had been beaten to death. So it doesn't specify if she was raped for sure, but she was found undressed, which is indicative. I think we can assume. Yeah. 2002 on September 23rd, um, there was another two unnamed women. One was strangled and partially unclothed, and it it says that the other died from a drug overdose. Mm. In October, we have Gloria Rivas, age 16, and then an unnamed woman, both killed by unknown causes. In October 8th, Another unnamed woman. This one, the cause was bludgeoning. February 17th, 2003. Juana Sandoval Reyna, age 17. Unknown causes. Esmeralda Juarez Alarkin, age 16. Unknown causes. Violetta Alvarez Barrios, age 18. Unknown causes. And an unnamed woman, also unknown causes. Okay. So that is a partial victim timeline. Now we're going to get into some more, uh, some better information. We're going to talk about the amazing women out here who are working tirelessly to combat the femicide, plaguing Juarez, but also everywhere, because as we said last week, this is not a Juarez problem or a Mexico problem. This is a world problem. Right. So they're out here doing some shit. So we're going to talk about them and we're going to talk about what they're doing. Uh, Some of these women are family members of missing and murdered Juarez women. So we're going to talk about them and the family member that they lost as well. 
So first up is Claudia Castro Luna. She is a poet, and we actually opened the episode with a piece from her collection, Killing Maria's, which is a collection of poems entirely about the women of Juarez. So check out that piece of literature, because I read, I probably read like five or six pieces, Mm -hmm. and they're all amazing. So check her out, Claudia Castro Luna. Uh, Her website is linked in our sources. So Castro Luna wants her readers to think about how their own choices as consumers of products might contribute in an indirect way to the hardships of workers such as the female factory employees in the maquiladoras. So that's a huge part of the story of part one is the maquiladora. And most of those factories create products for sale abroad. So like Mm -hmm. products here, many potentially could be created there, which is impacting the lives of wildly underpaid women in Juarez, Mexico. So you can do research before you buy items. I probably should be more cognizant of where I'm buying things, but... Yeah, I mean... It's... It's not something you think about. It's not something you think about. So, something to be mindful of. So next up, we have Ernestina Enriquez Fierro, who actually lost her youngest daughter who was 15 years old. Her name was Adriana in 2008. She just continues to fight back against, you know, the impunity and misogyny um, from authorities, which I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Well, first of all, losing a child, but just in that way. So, yeah. And for, for a mom or any parent, to be able to, like, continue fighting for other people's daughters mm-hmm. is super fucking cool. Yeah. So Ernestina says that her youngest daughter, Adriana Sarmiento Enriquez, was last seen alive in January of 2008, catching a bus in Juarez's city center after school. And her mom, who supports her family as a housekeeper, says they searched every area downtown Every neighborhood, every bus, we never found her. She also says that she learned in November of 2011 through Facebook that a government forensics office had found her daughter's remains in 2009 in San Augustine in the Valley of Juarez, about an hour from her home. And no one had told her. Yeah. So... Two years later, she finds out that her daughter's remains had been found. Yeah. She had no... No idea. No idea. She was probably still hoping that Adriana would be found alive. Yeah. So here is a quote from her. She says, Before living this nightmare that I think I will never wake up from, I trusted the police... I realized everything was a lie. There are no authorities. There's no justice. There's no respect. There's nothing. Nobody gets punished. That's so heartbreaking. It really is. And her daughter, Adriana, had a lot of friends from a young age. 
She loved music and dancing and collecting toy frogs. That's adorable. That is really precious. It's very specific. It is. <laughs> I've always wanted to like have something that I really loved that I wanted to collect. Yeah, I've never, I mean, aside from books, I've never really collected anything. Yeah, it's just, so, that's so specific. It is. And Adriana always remembered like her friends and family's birthdays and often woke them up by singing happy birthday to them. That's so sad. That is so horrible. Another quote from her mom, Ernestina, she says, I ask, is being a woman a crime? Down there, it sure seems like it. Sure. And everywhere, it seems like it. But yeah. Yeah. It's just outrageous. It's incredibly outrageous. All of these are kind of, like, really heartbreaking. And yeah. also, like, yeah. So, next we have Veronica Corchado. Uh, she is the director of the Municipal Institute of Women, located in downtown Juarez. She says the agency has been working on a series of initiatives to increase safety in the areas where young girls and women have been abducted. So, Veronica is an organizer and human rights activist. Her career has spanned more than 25 years, and she's focused most, almost entirely on eliminating violence against women. And she herself has personally survived three assaults. God damn. I know. It's fucking insane. Three assaults. That's mind-boggling. I can't... Yeah. Like, I've never been sexually assaulted, so the thought of having to endure one... Yeah. ...is horrifying to me, um, but three is... I, this, this woman is... She's just... I don't have words for her. It's mm -mm. crazy. Um... And she says, quote, with every murder, it is all of us who fail, society and government. And gender-based violence is a public health issue. I agree. I also agree. Thanks, Veronica. So now we have the general coordinator of the Red Mesa de Mueres. If we're saying any of this wrong, we apologize. We are clearly not fluent in this at all. And we are reading it. So her name is Imelda Marufo Nava. It's a network of civil society organizations serving women in vulnerable situations. They also serve families of women who have been victims of trafficking or femicide. The work of this organization includes everything from influencing policy to using art as a vehicle for therapy and activism. So that's super cool. And you probably in your area have something like this as well. Yeah. So you could always see how you can help. I mean, like, I know I've just donated random things to the one we have here. Yeah, we have, um, let's see, there's Hope House. Hope Haven? I think there is, I think Hope House is one thing and Hope Haven is another. Yeah, I can never, I can never remember. Yes. Marufo says the number of femicides decreased between 2013 and 2014, but the program has tracked an alarming increase in femicides since 2016 using newspaper articles and statistics from the state prosecuting attorney. This is a quote from her. Violence against women is a global issue. 
It's a global phenomenon, and women have been suffering this for many years. We have learned many sexist cultural traits that haven't been fully eradicated, either in the United States or Mexico. It doesn't only happen in Mexico. Right. Exactly. Which, um, kind of in a, like, that same idea of our learned sexist cultural traits. I was reading an article today. Um, I can't remember where this article was. It was a random article. And Megan Fox was talking about the treatment of actors who are moms. Mm Mm-hmm. And how, like, you can't be on screen after you're so many weeks pregnant. And usually in, like, the first six months after giving birth, moms can't really find acting work because they have to stop every two hours and breastfeed. And that costs production money. And she was talking about how if she's out, like, at an event or, like, a red carpet reporters will often ask her where her kids are and she's like do you ask their dad that yeah like they have another parent who is with them right now when was the last time you asked their dad where his kids were yeah probably never that's weird right it's just like learned behaviors yeah the women are expected to constantly be at home or be with their kids Mm mm-hmm but the dads aren't, and they're never asked. Yeah. That's true. That's, like, a really tame version, but it's those, like, little things that add up to how women are consistently suffering from oppression. Yeah, exactly. So, because some learned traits are much more sinister Like, victim blaming. Yeah. And, like, we talked about last week with provocative clothing, quote-unquote, you know? Like, if you're going out here in Daisy Dukes and you get assaulted, they're going to say, well, you looked like a slut, so... Yeah. Sorry about your luck. I will say, though, a lot of guys in particular in, you know, our age group, this generation are kind of, like, trying to break down that, you know, girls can't, girls and women can't dress how they want to, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, kind of uplifting women as a whole. I don't know if it's, like, the generational, like, how their parents raised them sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Not saying that there aren't, well, men and women of all ages that are sexually assaulting people out there. But... I have noticed that a lot, like, throughout social media, whereas, like, you could probably think back to high school, like, just hearing dudes talk about a girl that walks by. Yeah. Or he- talk talk about, like, how someone is dressing. Mm-hmm. No one cares. Yeah. Except you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. It's really, really insane. And, I mean... It's weird because you have this, like, conflicting thought in your brain. Like, my cousin, she is 15, and so she's getting, she's a freshman in high school, and so, like, crop tops are the thing. Mm -hmm. 
so obvious. And she's, like, tall and skinny and the person who is going to look great in anything. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted to leave the house in a crop top and shorts. And her dad was like, absolutely not. Yeah. And so part of you wants to think, well, she's young and it's kind of her parents' job to protect her from predators. Right. And part of that is not allowing her to leave in clothes that will attract the attention of a predator. Yeah. But then you're also like, but why is that the thing? I know. Why is that the thing? Like, why can't I wear what I want without worrying about a predator? Mm Mm-hmm. Do boys think that? No. 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 Do they think, man, should I wear these cargo shorts out? Nah, I might get assaulted. Right. They're never thinking that. Yeah. I mean, I I think um, people just need and people just need to do a better job at raising their sons. You yeah. know, to I mean, obviously not assault women. Right. But to just and I hate to put that like label or standard on it but to be a protector of any woman he's around if they see something weird yeah you know and i think as a society we have to um maybe hold people accountable for sexual assaults absolutely let's prosecute these people let's investigate these crimes yeah let's put these people in prison it's such a let's weird concept. Let's treat rape as the heinous crime it is and stop saying, "Oh, you get 6 months and then probation." Uh Big Daddy Sitch got more months than that for tax evasion, which yeah. is a crime against the government that has to do with money. I'm going to call that a non-violent crime. Yeah, it's not a crime against Humans. Can we take violent crime more seriously than nonviolent crime? You're fucking real. Like, come on. I don't, I simply don't understand. I don't understand either. It seems so cut and dry. It really does. Like, a drug charge is a nonviolent crime. Yeah. But you're gonna get way more time for a drug charge than, probably than a sexual assault charge. Yeah. Especially if the perp has an attorney and they negotiate, they're going to get that dropped from rape or sexual assault to battery. Yeah. And they're going to get maybe probation. It's disgusting. As a first offense. Disgusting. Gross. And they'll even drop it from a felony to a misdemeanor so it doesn't ruin their record. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah, like especially like uh, like younger guys, like college age. Yes. Yes, it is the college aged mm-hmm. guys who get... They'll, well, we don't want to ruin their lives, so we're not going to put this felony on them. We're going to reduce it down to misconduct, a misdemeanor, and they'll get probation. You don't want to ruin their lives? That girl that he raped is going to think about that forever. Yeah. That's a life sentence. Yeah, and that will probably affect, well, first of all, just every part of her life, um, but every relationship she has from here on out. Every single one. Forever. Forever. So, yeah. The punishment is not matching the crime. Okay. That was kind of tangential, but not really. 
Um, so let's continue with these bomb-ass ladies. Next we have Perla Janina Reyes Loya. Her daughter Jocelyn Calderon Reyes was 13 when she disappeared on December 30th of 2012. She was on her way to a friend's house and she is still missing. So Perla often joins in protests and does what she can to bring awareness and remind the community of Juarez that these things are still happening. And she says, quote, when we go out on the streets, we spread our testimony to stop young girls from dying, right? We have to make young girls aware of this to prevent it. Going out on the streets, screaming out their names, we feel like we're actually doing something to find them, that we are fighting and that we won't stop until we find them. She says it's important for the public to help combat the femicide by not remaining silent. She says, quote, disappearances continue in Juarez. We still ask of you that if you see our girls, please help them come home. That's horribly sad. Yes, it is. Next, we have Norma Laguna Cabral. And um, she says her daughter, Idali Laguna, who was 19, just never came home one afternoon in 2010. Two years later, authorities found fragments of her skull in the Navajo Arroyo, which is a rural valley of Juarez, um, and it's a region known for cartel violence located roughly an hour east of the city. And, of course, she's keeping her daughter's memory alive, and she created a mosaic gravestone with the organization Red Mesa to honor her daughter. And she said, I always say that as long as I'm alive, her memory will be alive as well. She also holds a necklace someone gifted her to remember her daughter. And Adali enjoyed playing soccer on a local team and was very confident and would always see the good in people. Soccer. I'll never understand the soccer. Okay. So now we're getting to Norma Ledesma Ortega. She is a lawyer and the founder of the organization Justicia para Nuestras Gias, or Justice for Our Daughters. In 2016 is when she earned her law degree, which is 14 years after her daughter Paloma Angelica Escobar Ledesma was killed at age 16 in March of 2002. So at the time of Paloma's murder, Norma had only an elementary school education and worked in a factory that produced parts for airplanes. She vowed then to get justice for her daughter and other missing women. She says, quote, with this legal weapon, I can fight for all the other victims as well. Ledesma Ortega works on cases related to kidnapping, femicide, and corruption. She works to locate victims of sex trafficking from the state of Chihuahua to southern Mexico to the United States. She says recovering them and delivering them to their family is also very rewarding. As a lawyer, 
I have a certain concept of justice, but as a mother, I believe justice means a lot more. I know I don't have it, and I know I'll never have it. (sighs) Paloma was 16, and she loved cats and worked at the same airplane parts factory as her mom while attending high school. She dreamed of studying English and working in tourism or as an interpreter. She hoped to one day adopt children. On March 2nd, 2002, Paloma went to a computer course and never came home. Her mother searched for her for 27 days. When when her mother filed the police report, authorities minimized her concerns, saying that Paloma probably just wanted to have some fun with a boyfriend. <laughs> okay. Right. Norma believes it's important for the public to hear and share the stories of femicide victims. Doing this might be the only thing that can make the Mexican government feel accountable. She says, quote, I think something changed in me that night. I was born again that day. The woman, wife, and factory worker was buried next to Paloma, and a warrior mother was born. A daring mother, a lioness. Aww. I know. What a badass. Yeah, I particularly love liked her story because she didn't even have a high school education yeah. when her daughter was killed. And she was like, the only thing I can do is educate myself, put myself in a position to help other people. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. That's amazing. So next up we have Janet Terrazas. I feel so like bad pronouncing these things. Illiterate? Yes. (laughs) I know. Janet is a visual artist known as Mustang Jen and also a project coordinator and co-founder Lise Bjorn Lennert at Knee and More. I think it is Knee and More. Okay. The nonprofit women's sewing studio in Juarez is working to create a sustainable business that offers fair wages a safe work environment, and training to all women. And all of Moore's proceeds are invested back into the business and the workers' communities. That's a fucking fabulous idea. Yeah. Janet creates different types of textile maps where hanging threads or lights symbolize the lives of women killed in Juarez. Preserving collective memory and increasing awareness of femicide is important to many activists in the region where many of the crimes are unsolved. In January, activist and artist Isabel Cabanillas de la Torre, who was 26, was killed in downtown Juarez. And Janet says, it's the first time I'm going to embroider someone that I really know. That is so wild. It is. So, Candelaria Gutierrez Perez, who works at Nian Moore, is part of the indigenous Rara Muri community, and she'll actually lead the opening of a new studio in the Rara Muri neighborhood in Juarez, expanding sewing and dyeing programs. Nian Moore acquired a grant for the new studio and is looking for funds to continue its development, and Perez is an expert and dyeing with natural plant materials and wraps flower petals into clothing to be dyed at Nianmore and Juarez. Plants, flowers, and vegetables are used in the process as well. And she says, 
The Neon Moore studio acts in opposition to the Machiadoras mass production standards. So that is very cool. Yeah, super cool. Next, we have Hilda Maria Ortego Trio. Um, she is a mother of two, and she is an expert dressmaker. So, Nee and Moore is actually a combination of Spanish, Norwegian, and English words meaning not one more. And the phrase was inspired by the poetry of Susana Chavez, who protested femicides in Juarez before being killed herself in 2011. Tarara says the name was created as an act of solidarity. She says, we are talking about a movement and we are not owners of this movement. Yes. So now that we've gone through all of the women who are out here doing all of these amazing things, you could be asking yourself if there is any way for you to help. And we're here to tell you, yes, there is. So you can volunteer or donate to shelters that serve women facing violence. In Juarez specifically, a nonprofit crisis center called Casa Amiga was founded by activist Esther Chavez Cano, who began tracking femicide cases in 1993. Um, so you can donate to Casa Amiga. And all of these resources will be linked in the description of our episode. And these are all resources that are listed at the bottom of the Disappearing Daughters website, which is also going to be highlighted in our sources. So you can either... Go to the resources directly from our description, or you can visit the Disappearing Daughters website, which you should, and these resources are linked there also. So you can donate to Casa Amiga. You can also donate to the Red Mesa de Mueres. Um, they help families commemorate their daughters' would-be birthdays and the anniversaries of their disappearances. They also do a lot more like the uh, mosaic gravestone yeah, for one of the victims. So they do a lot of work. You can donate to their cause. And if you can't afford to donate, obviously not everyone is in the financial position to do so. Um, you can still contribute by just paying attention to what you're buying. Be aware of where your products are being produced. Is it contributing to the mass production factories such as the Maquiadoras that are oppressing women in Juarez or in other countries, frankly? And also, just keep talking about the cases. Share the Disappearing Daughters website with on your social media. Just, you can put a link in your in a post or whatever. Like, yeah, I would say if you're going to share, you should share that website. Yes. It's absolutely so awesome. And all of the bios that we got on all the women we talked about is from the disappearing daughters website. Literally all of those women are highlighted on there. So those are the things you can do. And obviously you can do all those things in your 
region too. Like there are women shelters around wherever you live, I'm sure. Right. So you can just literally Google, Google women shelter insert town here. Yeah. And you can find places to donate your time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could I mean, you could even look up like any nonprofit related yeah. to women. Yeah. Whether it be like a battered women's shelter or mm-hmm. something like any of the things that we've talked about in this episode or just donate or share. Yeah. And this. there's there's an organization that um they talk about a lot on My Favorite Murder called In the Backlog. Mm-hmm. You can donate to that, which is advocating for testing backlogged rape kits. Yep. So that's a huge deal. Yeah, because you don't really think about that helping. Right. So. Yeah. So they talk about that on My Favorite Murder a lot. So you could do that. Let's see. One of my very favorite YouTubers, her name is Taylor Wynn. W-Y-N-N. She's a beauty YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Beauty slash lifestyle, I would say. She's awesome. And she... I've been watching her YouTube for like six years, at least. And I'm shocked and kind of disappointed in humanity that she has not breached one million subscribers. Oh, really? Yeah. It just like... I don't know. She's just honest and unproblematic and she's not always out here trying to sling products she's not like shoving codes in your face she's just like doing her own shit she has really high quality videos she does all of the work herself like she doesn't have an editor or a film like a cameraman like she does all of it herself her setup everything like we do yeah and i just I'm always down for people who are just doing it themselves. Yeah. I Not, think it, it makes it different. It does make it different. It makes... I feel like she has a lot of heart and passion for what she's doing. And so I have mad respect for her. Yeah. Uh, but she teams up with a group called Project Beauty Share. and Oh, yeah. I've heard you talk about this before. Yeah. So they, like, take donations. And also, you can actually donate makeup to Project Beauty Share. So they take cosmetics and personal care items for women to women's shelters and stuff like that. Because, I mean, you need, you need shit as a woman. you do. So that's what Project Beauty Share does. So there are organizations everywhere that you can contribute to that are going to benefit women who are facing violence or any type of hardship like that. Yeah. Look, and you will find my friends. So, uh, actually, speaking of Project Beauty Share, this candle that I have right here, I bought from Taylor Wynn. Oh, yeah. She created this candle with this brand. Damn, now I can't even think of it. It's not even on here. Oh, it's uh, something Northwest. I don't know what the P stands for. I will figure it out and post a picture of this candle. You can't buy the candle anymore, but uh, she created this candle and all of the proceeds. She didn't make any money from it. All of the proceeds went to Project Beauty Share. She does that with merch, too, sometimes. That's awesome. Um, So follow her on YouTubes because she's awesome. And donate to Project Beauty Share because they're awesome. I feel 
exhausted now. I do too. Honestly. It's I'm, a lot of information. It's a lot of information and a lot of like emotional turmoil. Yeah. So uh, I don't really, I mean, the final thought is I can't stop being humbled and amazed by the women we talked about today. Yeah, absolutely. So they're amazing. And honestly, like, it takes a lot of courage to be, like, a strong-willed woman. Right. And, well, ever. In general, Yes particularly in a place like Juarez. Yes. Which, I mean, several of the women we talked about were killed because of their activism. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's... These women are literally putting their life on the line. Like, Susanna Chavez, who was a poet in Juarez. Yeah. Killed. So, Mm -hmm. it's, it's dangerous. They're putting their lives on the line. And it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. You know, I really think, and this doesn't really relate heavily, but it just kind of reminds me of, like, investigative journalists or even, like, people who have podcasts who, Mm -hmm. like, insert themselves into, like, solving a mystery. Yeah. That's, like, scary as fuck. It really is. if you are going around asking questions or taping things to windows Mm -hmm. like you are putting yourself out there to be like targeted yeah like if you are poking around or you are like raising your voice too much about something that's scary yeah it is but we need more people to do it yeah we we need more brave men and women because honestly the only real way any of this changes is if Men get on board, too. Absolutely. This is not just a woman's fight. We we need the men to back us up here, because if they're not on board, like, how... Yeah. Nothing will change. They're just going to keep acting the way they've been acting. Mm-hmm. Dudes, get on board. Come we're, on. We're going to need you to. Stop fucking around. Quit hanging out in your living room in your undies and inform yourself on some shit. Yeah. If you're listening to this, that's a good... That's a good jumping off point. That's a good jumping off point. We're proud of you. Now go through all of our sources and read those too. All of them. All of them. Every single one of them. That's right. We did it. So you should as well. Thank you. Thank you for your time. (laughs) Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. We have to give our accolades to Haley and Ariel. Always. I fucking miss Haley. Always and forever. Yeah. Haley, if you're listening, I miss the shit out of you, dude. Where does she live? Well, right. Up north. (laughs) Up north. The queen in the north. Yeah. Ariel lives down south. We're right in the middle. (laughs) Come on, Haley and Ariel. Let's have a party. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Kashi, have you ever even met Haley? No. That's so weird. I know. She's so adorable. 
She's just the cutest fucking thing you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. She is so hilarious and tiny, and her laugh just makes you laugh, and she's just (laughs) the fucking best. I love her so much. Um, But yeah, you guys are amazing. Um, It would just be very awkward if we didn't have you two in this podcast. Yeah, it would be like hard start, hard stop. (laughs) (laughs) People would be like, whoa, I need a buffer. That was too It would be like us like humming at the beginning. (laughs) I cannot, I can't imagine what that would even, that would be. like just creepy as fuck. It would be really creepy. We might do that and then lay some shit underneath it. (laughs) We might do that. <laughs> um but yeah, so now that you have some time on your hands, um go ahead and just make sure you're actually subscribed to us. Please. Um I'm the worst at actually subscribing to podcasts and then just like looking them up when I'm ready to listen to it again. Mm. So subscribe to us and um go ahead and just make sure that shit's downloading every week. Yeah, and also, if you're on Apple Pods, because apparently they're the only ones that do this, rate us five stars and write us a review. Uh, we would love to read it. Now that we're on Chartable, we can read any reviews from around the world. So don't let your location stop you. Yeah, and listen, I know you're not listening, but if you're from Idaho... <laughs> what are you doing we have listeners around the globe and in 49 of the 50 states here in the u.s of a not idaho this is what we have to do we have to find a case to cover from idaho from idaho and then in the title it'll be like hey idaho this one's for you yeah so my question is we can track our downloads by state, by yeah. country. Is it like GPS? <laughs> because I will fucking drive to Idaho and download one of our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get that gray little blip off of our download map. Yeah, Idaho, what's happening, guys? Are you guys okay? Do God. you have podcasts? Do you have signal out there? Like, is there Wi-Fi? You, you, I, this is a whole different scenario here. I don't know. My dad says the mountains in Idaho are amazing. I've never been there, but he has. And he said they're the best mountains. Sorry, Colorado. But my dad said that Idaho has amazing mountain views. Which is great. But I'm trying to be up in the mountains. You know, while you're gazing at your beautiful mountain scenery, just listen to our podcast. Yeah, do it's, that. It's very easy. Um, side note before we end this episode. I'm listening to S-Town again, and I cried at my desk today. What's S-Town? You've never listened to S-Town? <laughs> no. What? Um, it's by the, uh, by people from This American Life and Serial. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite podcasts ever. Really? You have to listen to it. It's like eight episodes long. Okay. Please listen to it, starting tomorrow. Okay. You're going to fucking love it. I and am, then you're going to cry. You know I'm in the middle of listening to it's Goblet not, of Fire. 
<laughs> so, so you're due for a good cry. Um, it's not like it's not true crime, like murder, missing, anything. It's just listen to it. Okay. All right. So it, this has been great. I haven't eaten since 1130 a.m. It is now 815 p.m. I um, ate dinner at five. Yeah, Maddie's old as <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's like my bedtime now. So how are you not just absolutely fucking starving by the time you're laying in bed? I don't know. My body's just used to it. If I eat dinner at like six, by like nine, I'm like, Jesus, when is breakfast? <laughs> Which I don't, I don't eat. Know. I, and I don't know. I eat breakfast. Let's see. I don't eat breakfast until about nine. And I get to work at seven. This is what I do. I yeah. don't eat breakfast. Uh-huh. That's crazy. And I drink coffee and right. then eat lunch at like, well, now it's been earlier, but usually to 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then I don't eat dinner until like 7. My body would shut down. I think that's what's happening to me. So I get to work at 7. I drink one of my travel mugs of coffee. On the way. No. Here, this is, I have iced coffee on the way to work. (laughs) And then I have a travel mug of coffee at my desk. And then around nine, I'll have an apple and some oatmeal every day. Mom. (laughs) It's convenience factor. So, oatmeal oatmeal is pretty fire sometimes. Yeah, I do cinnamon spice oatmeal. So, what? Yeah. Cinnamon spice? <laughs> yeah. Or maple. Have you no. never had cinnamon spice oatmeal? No one eats a cinnamon spice, Madeline. <laughs> That's the only... I don't it's like... It's just the fruit. brown sugar cinnamon. Not cinnamon spice. You throw that shit in the trash. No, that's my I will favorite. give you my cinnamon spice from here on out. Perfect. You'll never have to buy it again. <laughs> Perfect. I do like I the maple sometimes. Woman. I just can't if it's too sweet. You know this about me. Sugar is my She's like, I'm, I'm going to drink bitter ass coffee on the way to work and at work. Eat this sweet fucking apple. Because that's enough sugar for me for the day. Yeah. And then eat my cinnamon spice oatmeal. That's right. I will make my own oatmeal and just put cinnamon in it. Listen, Guido's is on the way to my house. Listen. I'm getting a sub with a Sally. Of course. You got to get a salad. And ranch. They have the most basic ass salad there, but But it's so good. It slaps. It's so good. (laughs) It's probably the ranch, to be honest. Absolutely. You could put that shit on, like, anything. Like a pine cone, and it would be good. Oh, yeah. You could probably just slather that on a stab wound and be fine. (laughs) Yeah. It will will prevent infection and also be a tasty (laughs) treat. (laughs) We have to end this. Hit stop. <laughs> uh, reality left the building about ten minutes ago. Oh, okay. God, I need to wash my hair so bad. Uh. All right. Be kind and stay weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>